cake memes are easily, easily one of the best meme formats to come out of Twitter in a long, long, long time. And I appreciate it. I actually got ratioed on my own. I was just trying to appreciate the meme format on Twitter. And my old roommate ratioed me on my own tweet. I was kind of... <laughs> took that very personally. Alright. Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to another New Music Monday. Today we will be talking about one big album. Probably the biggest album. One of the biggest albums that will probably be released this year. In terms of just gravity of the release. And then we will also be talking about a small EP that I talked about last week which is by, excuse me, by Summer Walker. Also, the album that I'm referring to before was um, Juice World's album. And then, actually, there were a lot of singles that I wanted to, that I listened to that I liked this week that I wanted to touch on. So we'll be going over, I think there are like seven or eight of them. So I'll probably spend a lot of time on, a lot more time on the um, on the Juice World album just because of everything going on going on with the album itself, and then I'll kind of go very quickly through the Summer Walker EP, because it's, again, it's an EP, so it shouldn't take much time, and then I'll probably spend a good amount of time on the singles. So, since I don't want to keep you guys here too long, let's get started. Starting off again with Juice World's new posthumous album called Legends Never Die. The album is 21 songs long, spanning across 55 minutes, which I was kind of surprised about. I looked at the I just kind of scrolled through the album on Spotify, and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be fucking forever. And then I go down to the bottom, it says 55 minutes. I'm like, alright, I can do a sub-hour-long album. I think I can do that. So if anyone doesn't know who Juice World is at this point, and what kind of music he makes, he can probably easily be, kind of, his music can kind of easily be summed up into emo rap or emo trap, which is exactly what this album is. If you're going to compare it, if I could compare it to another posthumous album, or at least how the posthumous album is kind of um, created, or how it stands as an album, compared to Pop Smoke's album from last week's episode, Pop Smoke's album was more of a display of the kind of music that he wanted to make, so it wasn't, there were like a lot of different genres that were hit, um, there may be like... On the four or five, just different things. That was more of like an album showing like all the all the different lanes that he wanted to go into. Whereas this posthumous album was really focused on Juice World's what the kind of music that Juice World was really good at making, being this kind of quote unquote emo rap, and how he could easily be crowned the king of it, um, dead or alive. But you know uh, the kind of uh, subject matter that comes with emo rap i just kind of had you know you know <laughs> i kind of joked on it a little bit but because i'm not really that big of a fan of this kind of subgenre of rap music but you know the content kind of goes touches on topics such as like you know like i'm rich and sad lost love just struggles with love cries for help and then in, especially in terms of juice world um which ties into his death actually really is his exorbitant drug use to get through all the struggles that he goes through or went through. Um, and again, like, these topics, I usually tend to find them very tacky. I think they're very kind of... I feel like it's easy to approach these topics in music and sound pandery, or sound like you're... It, it, you could sound... It's, it's The topics are very low-hanging fruit. You can get, you can get away with kind of being really surface-level with these topics, 
but the good thing about, or I shouldn't say the good thing, but the thing about Juice World is, and especially this album, is that, you know, all the things that he struggled with, we saw what came of it, and we saw where it kind of pushed him in the end, especially, again, like I said, especially the drug use, the very heavy drug use, um, which really, which really adds to this album, and really, I don't want to say carries the album, because there, there are some really good, I'll, I'll say up front, I... I liked, there are some songs on here that I liked a lot, and then a lot of the songs I didn't necessarily dislike, but they all just kind of sounded the same, and they all just kind of fell into that umbrella of sad rap that I don't really like listening to really anytime. So I won't say it's bad, but I could easily say that maybe half of it I could do without. I could I could have never listened to it, and it would be fine. But again, it's not about Alan by any extent of the imagination especially if you're not opposed to this kind of music, this kind of genre, this kind of sound, definitely go check it out in short. But going... Oh, one more thing I do want to add, especially at this point, is that, running off what I was saying previously, the, 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 his, his death, while posthumous albums are... I, I don't want to say carried, but for lack of a better phrase, I'll say posthumous albums are kind of carried by the legacy that the artists had before their death a lot of the times more than and the content doesn't necessarily reflect that at least reflect the quality that a lot of that like the numbers would really indicate that the like the, that the, the the numbers on a posthumous album tend to be relatively high especially in with like bigger name acts but the content most of the time doesn't necessarily live up to those numbers the few exceptions being, and a lot of the exceptions being this year, are Mac Miller's album, which I believe is Circles, excuse me. Again, I think I said this on my first episode, the very first episode of the podcast. I'm not a very big Mac Miller fan, so I didn't necessarily, I didn't really listen to the whole album. But from what I heard, that album is really solidly done. Of course, that's a posthumous album. Posthumous album was a very solid posthumous album. And then I would also categorize this album as a very well-made posthumous album. It, w- it doesn't sound like a cash grab, which... Which a posthumous album can really, can really easily fall into sounding like. But those three, especially this one, doesn't sound like it, like that at all. It, it it sounds very emotionally heavy. It sounds very topically heavy, and the substance is there, and it's there in spades. So if you're listening to the music f- to really kind of connect to how Juice World was feeling in his life, then this is the perfect album to listen to. Going off of that, some of the highlights. The first highlight that I have listed, I have a couple highlights, and then I have a few notes. Um, not a lot, but a few. And the first highlight that I have is the song Righteous, which I I would say, off my few listens, is my favorite song off it. Um, when it comes to albums that kind of have a very similar tone or content, or just general sound, I go straight to vocal performance and vocal originality between the songs especially if the artist is known for having a relatively good voice and use that to their to their advantage i think juice world fits in this category and i think this song had his best vocal performance on both the verses and the chorus i think it's i think it's just the best sounding song on here all the way through the next song i have was tell me you love me featuring trippy red 
And I don't know what it is about Trippy Red. I don't like his like his own music at all. But that dude can carry a chorus. <laughs> that dude can really carry a chorus. I don't know. I like there are like a few songs I can't think of them off my head right now. But with him on the chorus, they just sound insane. I don't know why. But this song is really good. It, it's it kind of falls in a couple spaces in a couple spots in that righteous the song doesn't but overall it would probably be my second favorite song on here there's like a really the first time i heard it like and the first time you'll hear it you can the beat that they chose i forget i didn't get a chance to look up who actually produced it but it is like one of those beats that like you listen to it and you're like trying to like you're trying to like mm, your brain is trying to like identify where the quote-unquote pocket is that like the artist can possibly go into off it and it took me a minute it took me like <laughs> it took me a good while for me to figure out like what where the beat was going it, and and i like that a lot it kept me guessing even throughout when juice was singing slash rapping i was like oh okay okay i can see what someone can do with this beat and i kind of kind of appreciate that it sounded really different it sounded really good and then like i said trippy red really performed on the chorus which again i was surprised by I also have Life is a Mess, which is featuring Halsey, who I like a lot. And this would, <laughs> the first time I heard it, this was one of the singles that was released before the album. I think it was released a couple of days before the album released officially. And I remember hearing it for the first time and I was like, wow, this would make a really good radio single, like actual, like, you know, mainstream radio, if it just didn't talk about drugs so much, <laughs> which doesn't make, <laughs> which isn't the worst thing in the world. Because obviously no, no song has to be radio friendly, but I just it had a radio friendly sound which already kind of turns me off, and then like, the some of the stuff some like it it it's not based it's not focused the song itself isn't focused on drugs, but it's focused on relationships, and just how you know life can suck sometimes very again like I said very low low hanging fruit excuse me, but. I think it sounds fine. I think it sounds fine as a radio single as I kind of as soon as I heard it, I kind of kind of put it into that I kind of pigeonholed it there, kind of categorized it there immediately. So my brain was already like, all right, it's a radio single. Don't you don't it's not going to be amazing, but you know. And Halsey, it's the Halsey feature I was like waiting for it. She has like a little bit of like background vocals in like the second chord like on the chorus the second time around, and then she has like I don't know, maybe like a six line or like an eight line little verse at the very end that only lasts like maybe 20 seconds or so, but it sounds pretty good. And I mean, you know, I would have, as usual, I would probably want more from Halsey, but I mean, you know, it's not her song. I don't know if she, when I was, when the song first came out, I was kind of interested to know why Halsey was on this album and especially on the song with him, on especially on this posthumous album. And apparently they had a pretty good relationship, so... I kind of wish that relationship led to a better feature from her, but, you know, it is what it is. And some notes that I have, first one being, um, relating to my original note on this album, being that a lot of the content kind of gains, gains its weight by actually living up to, or really describing Juice World's struggles as a human and then like his coping mechanisms and like the results of his coping mechan mechanisms the song wishing well which probably was the song that probably got the most traction off release really the song 
as a whole, like the entirety of it is based around how like even though he's addicted to these drugs, how these drugs are controlling him, he knows he knows that they're going to kill him. He can't get away from them. Like obviously, you know, just addiction. It's a very strong song about addiction. And obviously in the in the palms or in the in the grasp of another artist or another rapper, this one really hit as hard. The first person that comes to mind and like an artist like Future like it wouldn't hit nearly as hard coming from Future from like someone like a Future. But having Juice World, having Juice World's death relate so heavily to this, and having this song so eerily kind of outline his demise, just really like is really jarring. I don't the song itself isn't. I didn't find it to be that great in terms of sound, in terms of replayability, but like in terms of like storytelling and importance to the entire like life story of juice world it's incredible it's up there it's one of the best songs in that aspect that i've ever heard but that being said i there's no there's no area where i could possibly think of replaying this unless i'm showing it to someone to kind of give them a greater understanding of who juice world was as a person as an artist and what his struggles were Other thing I wanted to note was Marshmallow is on here twice. I, I feel like I feel like I might start actually doing like a side segment where I'm essentially just like finding one <laughs> featured artist on an album and just ripping them to shreds. Because I feel like I've done that in the last few albums. But on this one, I'm gonna rip apart well I'm not gonna rip apart Marshmallow. But Marshmallow to me is like the great value Zed. Like <laughs> just like a way worse producer who just has way worse features, who just has a way worse, like, presence, and just has, like, a way more, way more immature audience, or at least target audience, I can, like, he makes, like, the the, the most (laughs) family-friendly bass drops, or I don't even know if they're really, if you can really call them, excuse me, if you can really call them bass drops anymore, he has, like, the most tame, like instrumental drops ever of all time. It, it's absurd. I mean, he's a mainstream artist, so what can you do? But <laughs> like uh, the song, oh God, there, there are two songs. Like I said, there are two songs with him on it. And the first one wasn't insanely horrible because of Marshmallow. The first, the first song with him on it, had it's like, it's Juice World, obviously. And then it's featuring Marshmallow, Polo G, and then the kid, Larry, Leroy, I don't know. I'm not even gonna spell it out because they were. It's it, he was horrible. They were horrible. So was Polo G. And Marshmallow wasn't good either. But Marshmallow is a producer. If you couldn't tell that already, or if you don't know who Marshmallow is, but I'm not even gonna name the song because please, no one should ever listen to it. It's just not good at all whatsoever, any extent. And the second song that Marshmallow is on called "Come and Go." The first time I heard. So this this has like this song has a very this is a very typical marshmallow song to me because it has the chorus is instead of having vocals or being vocally carried it's just marshmallows drop as the chorus and marshmallows drop is just the first time I heard it I'm like all right I can get into this it, it's like he uses like a guitar riff as like the bass of it which isn't a bad idea and actually the first time I heard it it sounded pretty okay and then the second time I heard it, I was like, it finally hit my brain that, like, 
it is just super, super, super low-level production, and just, like, really just... There was, like, no effort put into it. Like, I could have sworn that, like, any other producer, or or Marshmallow himself could have made it in, like, five minutes, and that was, that was it. He just, like, threw it in there, and it just... It just didn't sound good the second time around, and I realized I played the song again because I was like, "Wait, hold on a second. Like, do I do I hate the song, or am I just do I just hate Marshmallow?" And then I was like, "Nope, this song is Marshmallow is just bad, and I don't like this song." <laughs> but this is this is also a PSA to to Zed to make more music, please make more music with people. And then the last note I had is a song called it's like three songs from the end. It's called "The Man, the Myth, the Legend." And it's not like an actual song, it's a skit. And what it's comprised of, it's literally just snippets of interviews of all these rappers. The only one that I could identify by ear, which I'm not exactly proud of, is I believe it's, I'm pretty sure it's Lil Dicky. <laughs> it's like a, an interview that Lil Dicky did. But it's like maybe four or five different interviews that rappers did that they were all talking about how like Juice World is like this amazing, amazing, amazing freestyler, which. If you're into like freestyles, like rap rapper freestyles, definitely, and you haven't heard any of his yet, any of Juice World's freestyles, go listen. Go just go look up some on YouTube because he was he he was so good at freestyling. I'm mad that he didn't like just rap more, like just real, like just bar people down more. Because like he was insane. He was an insane freestyler, and he was known in like the rap community for being an insane freestyler. So the reason I have this note here is because. This snippet really made me really made me want more rapping from Juice World because he came into because he's he's like labeled as a rapper right and he is I would consider him a rapper but the subject matter the sub he kind of put himself in a position where the subject matter kind of ties him to like a very 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 small range of sounds that he would be comfortable making and that his audience would be comfortable hearing. So, like, any album that Juice World makes, all of his albums essentially sound the exact same because the subject matter is all the exact same, so the sound is going to sound the exact same, which more, like, which makes me wonder what, like, a rapping, rapping Juice World album would sound like. You know what I mean? Which, again, makes... Me more sad as a consumer to not be able to get that from him anymore. But, I mean, you know, that's just my own preference as a very small, singular listener in the large ocean of listeners that he has. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'll take it personally in that, in that aspect. But, I mean, again, like, something like this makes me. And he does have like some actual like rap rap verses on this album. One of them being on Tell Me Tell Me You Love Me, which is like the first verse is just him like just rapping. And I was like, Oh, that sounds pretty good. Like I wish he did this more. Which is the only thing I really left this album wanting more of was just more juice rolled rapping, rapping. Which again I wasn't expecting in the first place, but hearing that that skit really or the interlude, whatever you want to call it, hearing that interlude really just made me want that more. Um, so why you should listen to this album, I I kind of, again, I kind of put it a little more in jokes here. But if you just like, if you like sadder and like slower trap music, if you kind of, if you've heard Juice's music, music before and you liked it, obviously go listen to this album. It's probably the most refined version 
of the kind of music or sounds that he made. And in that aspect, it's great. It's fantastic. Again, I'm just not, I just don't really vibe with that kind of sound much. So, you know, I, I, I didn't, I personally didn't love it that much, but you know, if you like that kind of sound, it's fantastic. If you want to honor the late rapper, if you want to support his estate, if you want to support his family, um, anyone who's tied to him, as far as I know, he's, he was always depicted as like one of the nicest dudes, just like a wholesome rapper. I mean, all drug issues aside. So if you want to support his family, definitely, you know, stream the album, buy the album, excuse me. And then my last little note was, you know, if you just want to like cry over a girl who never wants you or success you'll never have or drug addiction that you'll never suffer from, go listen to this because <laughs> if that's your, if that's what you want to listen to, if you just want some like crying fodder, some tear fodder, just go listen to this. I mean, that's what emo music is all about, right? Okay, so going on to more, slightly more upbeat, slow music, Summer Walker EP. Summer Walker is a, I don't want to, modern R&B artist. Um, I talked a little bit about her during my first podcast because she came out with an album last year, Who, which I'm looking at now because I swear I always, I talk about her every once in a while and I always forget the name of her album because it's just like, I think it's like two words. So, excuse me, but she released an album in 2019, which I really, really, really liked. One of the best R&B albums I've heard in totality, and it's long, too. Like, it's a long, long, long album, but it's called Over It. Just, you know, two words, Over It. Came out 2019. If you like R&B music, please go listen to that album. It is fantastic, and I think I said that exact thing when I first talked about it in my first episode. But please go listen to that album. It's fantastic. And this EP, which... I won't hold it against the EP, but in general, this EP is just an extension of the album, which, since I like the album, of course I liked that this EP was just an extension of the album. It's only five songs long, 16 minutes, and the sounds and the content are, like, exactly, exactly, like, from that first album, which, I mean, makes sense. I would assume that these songs are made at the same, around the same time that that album was made. So these are just essentially just a collection of Lucy's that did not make the album that she was just like, hey, I'll just give you guys some music. So here's five of them. Um, you know, it's just typical modern R&B, a little slower in pace, in tempo, and same subject matter. I don't really have to go into the subject matter of R&B music with any of you guys. You guys, essentially, anyone who has ever heard an R&B song knows what I'm talking about here. And again, I also have that it, it's nothing new, but it serves another great addition to Summer Walker's catalog of great music, which I really and truly think it does. It's five songs. There is no room to falter. There's no room to just miss. And in terms of songs, like in like total songs, none of them missed for me. There are a couple moments in a couple of the songs, actually really just one, that I didn't like, but it was a moment and the rest of the song kind of picked up for it. And I'll get that into that in a second. But yes, five songs, they're all really good. Really solid, you know, project, if you will. Again, it's just an EP, and the way that the EP sounds, it sounds like it's just Lucy's. So, you know, I, I, my, the bar was high just because of Summer Walker, to me personally, and not because it was an EP. I knew it was an EP coming out, so it was like, all right, well, it's only five songs. I'm not going to get, like, the greatest music in the world right now, but it's Summer Walker, so it was great anyway. Some highlights... I have 
two songs as highlights, two out of the five were noticeably better than the others, in my opinion, at least. First one being SWV, which is featuring... Okay, so the guy's name is No One Noah, and it's spelled N-O-1, no one, and then dash Noah, spelled like Noah. And he's on this album twice. I don't know what it is now. I feel like every album I've talked about since I started this podcast has features like the the head artist just wants features from the same person like two or three times on the album and they're never good don't put that same person on your album twice unless it's like both of your album please because then this happens and this i'm just gonna call him noah because i'm not calling him noah noah so this kid noah i believe is just i've never heard him before he's an r&b singer i would assume just based off of the features that he has on here and this first song swv swv is he has a great feature on this on this song and it came first so on the five songs this is the second song on the album on the ep and his verse was very good surprisingly good i mean summer walker listen everything that i say here summer walker did fantastic the entire (laughs) the entire throughout every single song so i'm probably not going to talk too much about summer walker because their vocal performance everything was really great on every song so i'm just going to talk about the other things this feature was really good and it made the feature better and worse when I got to his second feature, which was on the song called White Tees, which is the fourth song on the album. And he has the intro of the song and it is horrible. Like I think it's I think it's like a verse or like a like a super long bridge and and then the chorus, but it's like horrible. Like <laughs> like I listened to this album the first time and truthfully I didn't love it the first time but I didn't I didn't love it love it love it the first time but I think I was just not in the right like space to like listen to like an arm a slow R&B album so the second time I listened to it I was in the right space and I loved it so much more but this song just gets does not get any his let me let me rephrase his first on white white tees I can't even remember the song it's just his verse is that bad his verse on White Tees is so bad, it has not gotten any better. And I said it's like the intro to the song. It's like a 1 minute 20, 1 minute 20 second long intro on like a 3 minute song. Like it's just super bad. Like if it was if it was a bad chorus and then a bad verse from a feature artist on a song, it's not that bad because usually the, especially if the, the lead artist starts the song like, like they typically do. And then, like, you know, it's, like, this great, you know, verse, whatever, from the from the lead artist. And you're, like, oh, the chorus isn't good. Whatever. I can live because I can skip it. Because <laughs> I can maybe skip the song after the first 45 seconds, minute, whatever. But on this song, you have to skip basically 120 seconds to get to a really good Summer Walker verse. <laughs> a really good Summer Walker performance, which is irritating as hell as a listener. Because it's, fan- like, she's fantastic on this on on YT's as she is everywhere else. But I just have to get through this terrible verse from No One Noah. And it's even worse because he sounds great on SWV. But whatever. Moving on. Because <laughs> I can rant about how bad that that verse was for a while. Second great song I loved, which is My Affection, which features Party Next Door, who is another very super insanely popular R&B artist who is signed, if you don't know who he is, 
R and B songwriter. He's been making music for a good bit. Um, he's signed to Drake's OVO label. Been signed there for a while. I think he might have been Drake's first signing, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. They've made so many songs together. You've probably heard him before. The weird thing about this song, and the only, I just did like a mini rant on how Summer Walker is great in all these songs, but th- there was like a weird. The first time I listened to this song, it was weirder than the than the repeated listens because I just wasn't expecting it. I don't know if like it's just the way that they mix her voice or like if she or if Summer was actually like punching in verses like midline on like the first like I don't know 30 40 seconds of this song but like there're like parts of like her singing where like she it sounds like like she punched in like if you know what punching in means in a song it's like you know like a lot of artists don't necessarily sing the like when they're recording a song they don't necessarily sing the entire verse or the entire chorus all the way through when they're recording it especially not like super long verses um it's more common in rap verses I'm I'm sure but like they'll rap like half the verse and then they'll like stop recording and then they'll you know re- record the second half of the verse and then they'll just you know in post production just stitch them together and then it sounds like you know one like they're rapping throughout the entire verse right it sounds like that she sounds like that in the very beginning of the song but the weird part which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world but it sounds weird because it's like mid-line like she's like in the middle of like a line and she'll just like it'll just like the, the the audio will just like her voice will just like cut in and out like insanely fast but it sounds like she's punching in i don't know if it's supposed to sound like that or if like it just if they're just sloppy in the editing but <laughs> it sounds weird it, it, you probably won't you might not be able to hear it the first time around and it probably won't even like bother you at all it doesn't it hasn't bothered me since the first time i heard it but the first time I heard it, I was like, it, it just sounds weird. It just sounds super weird. But Party Next Door, moving on. <laughs> Party Next Door's verse is really good. Party Next Door, that's pretty good. Um, feature verses, he never really misses on them because he does the same stuff and it all sounds good. But his his contribution was really good. There's not much to say about it. He just makes, it's this, just the same party guest verse that he's done for years and years and years. And then my favorite song on the album excuse me, is the outro, which is called Deeper, and by far does it have the best beat, the best delivery from Summer Walker, the best vocals from Summer Walker, and the best verses on the EP, by far, which is saying a good bit because they all kind of were good in those aspects most of the time on Summer Walker's side, but this one was just better just like like you can just noticeably better i to me at least was just noticeably better than the rest of the songs which is interesting because interesting and not interesting it was the last it, it seems like it's the last song for a reason but it kind of fights against my belief that she just kind of threw these songs on an ep and then just put them on streaming for us to listen to but regardless it's my favorite song on the album if you're going to listen to any song on this album start with deeper go to swv and then completely skip um, <laughs> we're listening to White Tees to see if I'm just hating on this dude. <coughs> but honestly, you could probably skip White Tees. Okay. Excuse me. So why this EP is worth listening to? I mean, you know, it's... 
I'm feeling I'm gonna be repeating myself a lot, especially with like R&B albums, because R&B as a genre really requires a lot to be different from itself. That goes a lot. I mean, that goes for really any genre, but I feel like R&B, especially all anything that I could say that I like about an R&B album or you know EP or project or anything like that is probably gonna be the same things that I like about this like another R&B album or project. Especially from the same artist. The only one that I could kind of lean away from that would probably be... Uh, fucking Would be SZA if she ever released a goddamn second album. But I'll just... I'll leave that <laughs> as it is. I won't touch that anymore. As more much more than I have already. Yeah, anyway. So this EP... I mean, it's... Again, if you, if you have never heard of Summer Walker and you want to just find out what she is, who she is, like what kind of music she makes... This is a good little five song EP to get, like to just kind of put your put your toes in the water, just try her out, and it's way of obviously it's way less daunting than her entire album that she released last year. It's way easier to get into than a full album, and obviously if you like the music on this EP, go straight to that album afterwards. You will not be disappointed whatsoever. And you know, just as with as with a good bit of R&B and as with this kind of R&B especially it's really unintrusive in terms of you know you can put this album on in the background of any scenario you don't have to listen to it very in depth to really get a lot out of it which is one of the reasons why we like the vast majority of R&B is that you know you know you don't need to listen to in like compared to a lot of like really like hard-hitting like R&B or excuse me like hip-hop where like you need to like listen to like the bars listen to like the entendres to really like listen to the words listen to the story to really get the true value out of the song you don't really need to do that with this album which is good for very specific settings and yeah definitely go check out both of those projects again if i had to pick obviously they're completely different albums like genre sounds whatever if i had to pick an album or a project that i'll be going back to more it'll definitely be the summer walker project but that's just that's just r&b preference at this point obviously no disrespect towards juice world rest in peace obviously but you know i'm just i'm i'll take some rocker over juice world any day okay so now it's time to get into these singles to which there are a ton that i want to talk about and i'm just going to try and just run through them very quickly because again they're just singles so there shouldn't be too much to talk about each one but i'll give a brief little snippet about what it's kind of about, what you should expect from it, why I think, why I liked it, and why I'm talking about it now. So I'll start off, and I have it structured, so I'm starting with the least notable, or the least, I'll say important, or the least impactful on the, or least impactful for the songs that I've heard over the weekend. Starting at the least impactful, and then going to, you know, my favorites, or the most impactful at the end. So starting off, we have a song called Look Easy by Kei Trinata and Lucky Day. Kei Trinata is a really inventive producer. He makes really, or they, I'm pretty sure it's a he. hope it's a he. I'm pretty sure it's a he. He makes really like, I don't know how to describe it, but he's a producer. And he's really, he's a, I guess you would call him like a more electronic producer. But it's really like groovy background. Like, it's not jazz, but I, I'd call it like, 
mm, I don't know. You just kind of have to listen to it. It's hard to describe, and that's kind of the point. Like, he makes music that's very hard to describe. It's very creative, and it doesn't sound like really anything else. And Lucky Day is, um, I'm going to say, a quote-unquote up-and-coming R&B artist that I'm looking out for more and more. I believe he released, I think it's an EP, a couple, like, a couple weeks before I started recording this podcast. And I'm pretty sure it's just, like, a collection of, like, songs that he's released throughout the last couple years. I still have yet to check that out in full. I think I've heard a couple songs from him. And he has a couple verses on albums that I like. Like, for example, um, Kehlani's last album. He has a really good verse on there. So... I really need to check him out, and I'm really looking forward to his first full album when he eventually releases it at some point. But, yeah, it it's a really, like, I, I have, it's really, like, you know, like, bassy, groovy, electronic, I'll say vibey just because I'm corny and I'll just, I can't think of anything better. I need, I need a, th- uh, never mind. But, yeah, definitely go check out that song. <laughs> second song I have is called Natalie Don't by Ray, spelled R-A-Y-E, and she's an artist that I'm relatively new to, but she makes really fun, very, like, like, fresh pop music. She's very, this, this, this song, I noticed it, I mean, like, I, I've liked her music, I'm starting to, like, I'm starting to discover her music, and I like her music, but this song really caught my ear, because the sample of it is, when I first heard it, I, and I'm to this, like, to this day, as I'm recording this, I'm, like, 85% sure, I'm, like, mm, 85 to 90% sure it's sampled from Post Malone's song called Circles, I'm pretty sure it's that sample, if you guys want to hear, listen to the song and listen to Circle, you probably heard Circle by Post Malone, that shit plays on the radio goddamn all the time, and, and you want to tell me if it's that, if you think it's sampled from that song or not, please let me know, I don't want to sound like I'm crazy, but I'm pretty sure it's sampled from that. And if it's not sampled from that, it might be sampled from, like, some Tame Impala song that I've never heard about. That I've never really heard. It just sounds like a Tame Impala, like, kind of, like, instrumental. And realistically, Post Malone could have just sampled it from tame, from a Tame Impala song, honestly. But I'm pretty sure it's from Circles. But that, that's what made me... Cat, that's what... It was a good flip. It was a good sample. And she did a really good job really good focal performance i mean i think the subject matter is pretty low level in terms of pop but she does really well and i am a sample whore if i can identify a sample i almost always like the song anyway especially if i like the sample but go check that out go check out ray especially go check out ray again it's ray r-a-y-e go check her out please second thing or third thing i want to talk about excuse me is it's kind of cheating because it's kind of a two it's a two-pack so it's two singles that were released by Tory Lanez. The first one's called 392, just the number 392. And then the second song is called Staccato. 392 is my favorite of the two by far because 392, it has... Tory Lanez jumps into this pocket where he's jumped into the same pocket on on two songs from his last album that I can't remember the name of because it was like an okay album in general. But... The song is called Stupid Again, and then the other song is called Something Else. And they're both on the album. I think they're like two songs apart, but they sound exactly the same. Like, the thing I can relate to the most is when... Do you guys remember that summer when Tyga, you know, like, Rack City Tyga? Remember when he released, like, three, four songs that sounded exactly the same in the span of, like, two or three months? You get, you, get, you remember that? Like, exa- like you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I can play, I can play Taste 
for you right now, and I can play two other songs for you. Actually, I think three other songs, and they sound exactly the same. Honestly, at some point, I wish I had the num- the names on them, but I'll get into that at some point, at some point. Just how funny that is that Tyga made a, a absurdly, absurdly, absurdly massive comeback as a rap artist because he made one song being taste and. Everyone loved that song so much that he essentially just remade the song. He did like, like Lil Nas, like he did like a Lil Nas X before Lil Nas X. In fact, I'm gonna credit, Lil, I'm gonna credit Tiger for bringing up Lil, <laughs> for bringing up the, the, the success of Lil Nas X. Because essentially, all Tiger did was, he was just way less, he was just way more sneaky about it. He just made the same song like four times. And if you liked one of them, you liked all of them. And then Lil Nas X just did not give a fuck, and just said, yeah, I'm just gonna remix this song that you guys like, he's like, oh, you guys like this song, let me remix it, like, 17 times with a bunch of artists that do not belong in this song, obviously excluding (laughs) Billy Ray Cyrus, but whatever, quick tangent over, anyway, going back to Tory Lanez, Jesus Christ, on 392, he jumps in his pocket, where it's probably my favorite kind of like flow that I've heard Tory Lanez ever go into and I've heard it before on two songs again one of them being stupid again I can't remember the name of the other song but if you want to know what I'm talking about go listen to the song is called stupid again by Tory Lanez and listen to this song called 392 and the flow is the same but it's a good flow it's my favorite Tory Lanez flow that I've heard from him and I like that song a lot Staccato is okay it's fine you know, they're both trap songs, they're both, like, if you like Tory Lanez, you'll probably like at least one of them, you'll almost definitely like one of them, but, you know, it's just trap music, I would have had it lower on this list, honestly, but, I mean, it was a two-pack, so it's kind of, kind of cheated. Next song I have is called Are You Even Real? Question mark, by James Blake. If you don't know who James Blake is, just look him up, I'm not going to be able to describe him. But if you know who James Blake is and you didn't see that he released a song, go listen to it. It's probably my favorite James Blake song. It's one of my favorite James Blake songs, like his own song. Um, you know, heavenly production, <laughs> heavenly vocals, you know, just normal James Blake shit. If you if you know who James Blake is, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just listen to it. If you don't know who James Blake is, check him out. You might like him a lot. I feel like he might be a little bit polarizing as like a like a vocalist, as an artist, as a producer. But, I mean, go check him out please <laughs> he needs to do more stuff but that's just me wanting more out of artists than they can possibly produce but definitely go check that out if you're into james blake or if you don't if you want to figure out who james blake is check him out it's fantastic and i didn't even the next song i didn't even notice that this song came out on friday because it did not pop up in the new music on spotify i don't even know i can't remember oh fantano anthony fantano's channel i really he pointed out that this song came out. It just slipped underneath the radar somehow. I don't even know how the hell I missed it. But it's the remix of a song called Excess by Rina Soyama off her last album called Soyama, which I talked about on my first podcast. Love that album. Probably going to be my... It, well, it is one of my favorite albums so far this year. It's probably going to be... Honestly, the more I listen to it, the more I like the album. So it's probably going to be even higher on my end-of-year list. But it's probably one, it's one of my favorite albums of the year by far. And... This is my favorite song off the album. It's one of my... It, this might be my favorite song to come out so far. I think that might... 
I'm going to say that now. I feel like I might need to rethink that at some point. I feel like if I think about it more, I might be able to come up with like one or two better songs. But off the top of my head, this song, X, is the original song. It is one of my favorite songs that come out so far this year. And they remix it. And it the remix features someone called Bree Runaway, spelled B-R-E-E, and then Runaway spelled like the second best song off My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I'll get to that later as well. But again, featuring Bree Runaway, and she just had like a little verse at the end. Um, I think she just replaced Rena's second verse. I think I listened to it. A, I only listened to it like a few times. I'll thumb my head. I'm pretty sure she just replaced Rena's second verse. But her verse did what I like people to do on remixes, which is just don't just slap like <laughs> don't just slap a verse with the same instrumental on a song you already made. Like it's just. It's just, like, lazy. It just sounds lazy to me. Also, don't just shove an artist into a song. Like, there's a very... It's very hard to do a remix well, and the way you do a remix well is by doing, like, an actual remix. Like, remake the fucking song. That's all I'm asking you to do. Like, Jack Harlow's What's Popping is, like, the perfect example of how good a remix could be. Like, it's a perfect example of a remix to me, personally. Because he changed his entire verse, he changed his entire chorus just to fit four, three other artists on it, and it sounds amazing. A bad version of a remix is Doja Cat's Say So featuring Nicki Minaj, and I will get into Nicki Minaj hate later because I will be here for another hour if I start getting into Nicki Minaj hate. But, again, I will save that for... Actually, I might do that Thursday. Check back on Thursday for Nicki Minaj hate. As of now, it's this might be Nicki Minaj hate week. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that on Thursday. Anyway, back to this song, XS. XS. It's literally just the letters X and S, by the way. But Bree Runaway's Bree Runaway's verse. While it is obviously just inserted into the song, the way that her the way that the instrumental works on the song is it works differently. It's like the same instrumental that runs throughout the original song, but it's slightly more electronic, it's slightly more like high pitched, it's slightly more fun than the original instrumental is, which is already fun. But it's it's not as grimy as like the original instrumental is but it, it's more playful and it adds a lot to the song and i really liked it it's i don't know if it's better than the original because the original again like i said is one of my favorites i might have to listen to it more it doesn't take a damn thing away from the original song either it just might just be on par it's on par at least with the original song but go check that out check out rena soyama as well just check out reason soyama i'm gonna be just it's it's a weird name this it's a hard name to scream from the rooftops but go i'm gonna be screaming that name from the rooftops as well as i can go check out rena rena soyama go check out her album soyama go check out this song x's or xs second to last song it is probably the marquee single that came out this this um this weekend and it's surprising that it came out this weekend not super surprising because i don't think it really shares an audience with or these artists really share an artist, an audience, excuse me. Actually, yeah, I'll say, I don't think the, either of these artists really share an audience with Juice World. But it's still weird. It's still weird to me that, like, when... Well, it's not weird, but, you know, people kind of tend to let, like, big names be, like... Especially with, like, an album like Juice World's or, like, Pop Smokes. Like, people won't put, like, marquee music out if they're in the similar 
like genre of music sometimes sometimes some people don't obviously some people do like people tend will tend to stay away from drake release dates because nobody wants to compete with drake on release date day but i mean you know this is a single versus posthumous song but regardless this song if you haven't figured it already is called the adventures of moon man and slim shady and if you know don't know what those nicknames who those nicknames refer to moon man is kid cuddy and eminem is or and Slim Shady is Eminem, obviously. And that's those are the two artists on this song. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I heard that, that these two artists were releasing a song, this is Kid Cudi's song, I believe. I'm pretty sure it's Kid Cudi's song. He's the lead artist on this song. When I saw that these two artists were going to be in the song, I thought it was going to be terrible. <laughs> I, <coughs> Excuse me. I thought it was going to be just like... Like, name, name a more... Name, like, a, a, a let, like, I don't even know. Like, they're both obviously rappers, but, like, Kid Cudi rapping is way different from Eminem rapping, and it is, well, give me a second, I'll explain in a second. Excuse me. This, Cudi does not make even close to the same as Eminem makes. Not even close. Not even close. So, me hearing this, especially considering this is Kid Cudi's song. Like, I think Kid Cudi, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me put it this way. I think that Kid Cudi could be on an Eminem song, right? I think he could, because Eminem can make a radio song. Like, Eminem can make, like, a, a just like a, a song, like, he has made radio songs before, like, radio-friendly, just like songs that, like, the general public can listen to and enjoy, right? Eminem is capable of doing that. He's still capable of doing that, even though he's not even close to the caliber of rapper that he was in his heyday. But, so I think that you could put a Kid Cudi feature on an Eminem song. However, I do not think, I, I, I would have never thought you could have put an Eminem feature on a Kid Cudi song, never. But to my surprise... And actually, no, before I get to the surprise, the first time I heard it, I thought it was, I didn't think it was good at all. Actually, let me rephrase, let me specify that. I thought Kid Cudi was fantastic. Kid Cudi has the first verse. And actually, the song itself, I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, is just beat. Let me see, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the song. It goes beat. Excuse me, it goes beat, <laughs> beat. Kid Cudi's really long verse and then I'm pretty sure, there's not even the chorus, it just transitions, which is actually a very good transition into Eminem's verse, which is insanely long, and then it just goes back to a short little, like, maybe eight-line verse from Kid Cudi to finish off. The beat is insane, like, the beat is like, ooh, I don't want to, I, I can't describe it, it's just, mm, it's just a really good, it's a really good beat, it's a really awesome beat, it's one of the best beats I've probably heard this year, on, like, a marquee song, like, a song that is meant, that, like, people were obviously going to listen to you know what i mean fantastic fantastic beat a beat so good that i was like oh i could easily hear kid cuddy on this right and i did kid cuddy really performed he was amazing on his part and the first again this is all the first time that i heard this and then it transitions into eminem and again i don't know if like my if i just didn't if i just talked myself into not thinking it wasn't going to be good in the first place i think i might have just talked myself into that and like i'm not the biggest eminem fan in the world either obviously i respect him immensely as an artist especially his older works but as of now i'm not really the biggest eminem fan and i didn't like 
I I thought, and I still I still think this way. I still think that Eminem's verse was way too did not have enough energy that I would have thought he would have put not only on a beat like this, but just as Eminem. Period, and that's. And the reason why I'm not holding that against it now is because I, on, you know, following listens, I actually listened to more about what Eminem was rapping about. And it's more like, it's more like he, it's, it's definitely more like a substance verse than like, like a, like a substance, like a, the verse, it's a, it's an Eminem verse that has more substance to it, right? Like he's talking about like more pressing topics it's not like super like jokes joke heavy it's not there are jokes in there and there are entendres in there there are like you know there's a good amount of wordplay in there there's actually a really funny bar that i won't there's like a there's like a fluoride bar which is very funny listen out for that but like he shouts out actually in, in that same rhyme scheme i'm pretty sure he shouts out like the black lives matter movement he like tells drew Brees to go fuck himself like just like he talks about stuff, like you know what I mean. It's not like a, it's not like a verse about nothing. He actually like uses it to talk about something, which I can appreciate now on, on, you know, following listens, and again, it still tricks my brain. The song is still weird to my brain because it's like, ah, like I can, I, this this song could have been so much harder, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I understand what this, what they, where they took this song, and it's and it's good in that aspect. It's just not exactly what I wanted when I first heard it. Or when I first saw it, which again I'm not gonna knock it. It's a really good song. I didn't I didn't like didn't like it too much at first, but now I think it's a really good song. Probably won't end up on my favorite songs of the year, but it's good. Just go listen to it. I mean, it's two, you know, insanely big artists. Obviously, Eminem is slightly bigger, if not a good bit bigger than Kid Cudi is as an artist in terms of just you no know, renowned you know, music. But let me go check it out. It's definitely one of the more interesting collaborations we'll get this year. Um, unless we get this this Kendrick and Kanye collaboration that is rumored, and there's my Kanye <laughs> mention for the episode, the the guaranteed Kanye mention. But yeah, go check out the song. Of course, it's called "The Adventures of Moon Man and Slim Shady." Go check it out. And the last song, y'all thought I forgot because I talked about it two podcasts in a row. My girl Snow Allegra. Thought it was an EP, just a single, but that's okay because I'm pretty sure that means that we're getting an album instead. I will take an album over an EP most of the time with very specific artists. But this song is great. And it's just, you know, I don't... The funny thing is, this is my favorite song that came out this this past week. This past week and... This past weekend. But I probably have the least to say about it. Like, I mean, it's just Snow Allegra. It's just Snow Allegra doing Snow Allegra shit. I mean, she sounds beautiful. Like, her voice is insanely beautiful. It's fantastic. I mean, it. You know, it's a normal length of song. It doesn't overstay its welcome. The, the, only, the, only, the only gripe that I have with this song, like, the very only gripe, and it's, it's a little gripe, and at the same time, it's a big gripe, but it's like the chorus just lacks. Like, to me, like, R&B choruses make or break the song because i mean like the verses can be fantastic but if the chorus is not good like the chorus is where as an r&b artist as a listener i feel like you like really show off your talent as a singer and like i mean if you're you know if you're selling yourself as a songwriter as well then obviously your voice are going to be your voice is 
your 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 Jesus your verse is obviously going to be play a more critical role in the song. Excuse me. But like for someone like Snow Ligger, whose songwriting is very good, I don't want to say it's bad by any means. It's not bad by any means. It's very good songwriting. But to me, my appeal for Snow Ligger is her is her voice. Also, this is Snow Ligger spelled S N O H. Oh my God, yo, more water, please. Again. <clears throat> Snow spelled S N O H and Allegra spelled A A L E G R A. Snow Allegra. So, you know, just I'm spelling it out because you should listen to Snow Allegra. <laughs> I'm making sure I spell it out as well as I can because you should go listen to Snow Allegra music. Her voice is angelic. Anyway, um, I mean the song is called. I didn't even say the song. <laughs> the song is called "Dying for Your Love." Four spelled as the number four, because fucking I guess. And, you know, the song is about, the title tells you everything you need to know about the song. You know, she's, some, she's in love with some dude, dude doesn't want her, don't know how. Don't know how. But, I mean, if you just look her up on Instagram, you like, you understand what I'm saying. But like, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's what the song is about, obviously. So it's not anything groundbreaking in terms of content. And it's pretty basic, it's pretty simple in terms of, you know, the verses, like, the com- the complexity of it, but what I was getting at is her voice really carries it, and her vocals really carry it, and the, the chorus is just missing something, it's just missing, I-, I don't know what it is, it's just missing, just, like, mm, I don't know, it's missing something, and it's probably gonna bother me, I don't know if it's gonna bother me less on more listens, or if it's gonna bother me more on more listens, but, like, if it if it's like it was like one small thing on the chorus away from being like the perfect Snow Allegra song, to which she has very she has a lot of perfect Snow Allegra songs, a lot and like there were like three on her last album. But yeah, go check out "Dying for Your Love" by Snow Allegra. Go check out Snow Allegra. Go check out Rina Soyama, and check out Ray again spelled R A Y E. Just check out every. I listen to good music, okay? Sometimes, maybe. Um, <laughs> go check out everyone I listen to. If you're gonna... I, I try to... Just a little before I leave here. I try to pick songs that I think most people can find some kind of value in. I'm not picking, like... Or to, to talk about, at least. I'm not picking, like, the most random-ass songs <laughs> that I might like. If I think that people would actually like these songs, I'll talk about them. So... I'm not saying obviously that you have to go check out every artist and I'm definitely not getting paid by these artists to go check them out but you really should <laughs> you you listening right now really should I'm talking to you specifically go check out Snow Allegra <laughs> again spelled S N O H A A L E G R A and with that that'll be it for today's episode of New Music Mondays and I will see you guys for it's funny I literally came up with it on the spot Tune back in on Thursday for Nicki Minaj Hate Week. Goodbye, have a good night, and I will see you on Thursday.